HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Whole Foods Market creates win-win partnerships with our suppliers, and we love to tell their stories. New New Chocolates in Brooklyn offers delicious and classic combination truffles and caramels, sweet, salty, some even with beer. Using single-origin cocoa beans, production takes place right in their shop on Atlantic Avenue. Come have a taste in one of our six Manhattan locations. Welcome to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Here with the duo of 11 Matson Park, colon, The Cookbook, <laughs> Chef Daniel Hume and GM Will Gadara. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us. On your busy, busy schedule. A lot of things have changed, Will said, since the last time he was on here with a friend collaborator, John O'Pandolfi. Um, most recently, obviously, this cookbook. Prior to that, uh, a slight acquisition of a restaurant also called 11 Madison Park. Um, prior to that, uh, 24th in the World for San Pellegrino. Um, stars Everywhere, three for Michelin, four for New York Times. And uh, New Child for Daniel. So many, so many things. We always kind of knew 2011 would be, <laughs> would be our year. It, it, what do you do now? You guys are just on vacation, hanging out, relaxing. <laughs> You know, actually, you know, now we are owner of our restaurant, yeah. and um, we don't really know how that is yet. <laughs> yeah. So we're really at the very beginning of, you know, we feel like we haven't even started yet. Yeah, so. yeah. So that much more work that you willed upon yourselves. Well, yeah, and it's almost as if the, the cookbook kind of marks a very transitional place for the restaurant as well, where... We're really, really proud of what we've accomplished yeah. in the past five years. We have an amazing team. We, like you said, we just got our third Michelin star, which was 
an evasive star for us for yeah. a couple of years, and and we're we're really really thrilled to have it. But as a restaurant, um, this transition kind of marks the beginning of a new phase where we recognize that we have a long way to go, and um, and the exciting part is how do we continue evolving and reinventing and 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 you know continuing in the right direction. Well, this is your bitches brew. Yeah. <laughs> a wonderful part of the cookbook is your ode and reference to Miles Davis. Uh, talking about such an artist being able to have an album like Kind of Blue and then completely transform themselves to what is Bitches Brew. Yeah. And I, and I think we've done that a couple times. I think our new menu, which came out a year after we got our fourth star from the New York Times and was a part of a renovation of the entire restaurant, was was a big risk. And yeah. um, it started with with Daniel, as a lot of our ideas do, where he says something that makes me feel like my head is about to explode, but <laughs> with a little more conversation. And, you know, I, I think that's the the idea of what Eleven Madison is. And it's something that started when we were brought in and when Danny Meyer kind of broke the mold and, and brought us in. And it's something that we feel a responsibility to, to continue at the restaurant. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it started before that, you know, at the ripe young age of 14, Daniel, you're, you already started in kitchens and internship and apprenticeship in Switzerland. Yeah, I started, luckily, really early um, because I think it's like almost like learning a language, you know, when you're that young, you just do things. And luckily, I was working in really good places, so I did the right things. Yeah. And uh, so they, you know, became really instilled uh, into me. But... Um, and then when I was 24, moving uh, to America um, to become the chef at Campton Place in San Francisco. And at that point, I was just young and I, I just wanted to kind of a change in, in life and learn a different language and go to a different place. Yeah. And, and luckily, it worked out to be, you know, a really great move. But really, the, you know... The, the really great thing started to happen uh, like five years ago when Will and I met and we started, you know, sharing the same vision uh, for Eleven Madison. And, uh, you know, it's been the last five years, it's been uh, ups and downs for sure. Um, but uh, it's been just incredible. Um, and th- this cookbook, it really marks, you know, the work we do, it's very hard to capture it because it takes, you know, so many people on a daily basis and to create a dining experience. And, uh, you know, you can't really capture it because the next day maybe different people working, yeah. the season changing, everything changes constantly. And the book kind of just kind of marks that moment of 11 Madison Park today. And I'm really proud to have that. And we'll be able to look back to it and the team will be able to, you know, have it and, and you know, take on the memory. Yeah. And I just want to say a quick thing. Uh, we're actually going to give away a copy, a signed copy of this cookbook on air, but not without a little bit of trivia. Um, and all you have to do is tell me what the four flora leaves are on uh, the front that make up the EMP logo. Not going to tell you the answer. I almost actually just read that, too. That would be cheating. But call in 718-497-2128 for your chance to win a signed copy of the 11 Madison Park cookbook. Now, you said a lot of people had to come together to actually uh, 
make this cookbook. That it takes a lot of people to run this restaurant. What was so cool is that not only do you have this day in the life of thing, which we'll talk about, you know, where it's, you know, the hourly breakdown of what happens during service, but there's also that map in the back of where everyone's stationed. So you're you're pretty much uh, it's one of the more transparent things I've seen in the cookbook. Say. Well, this is how we run a restaurant. This is exactly, <laughs> go ahead, do your own EMP. So, I mean, it should just come with a couple of stars in the book, too, that you can only get once, you know, a Michelin guy comes over. And, <laughs> well, but, I think, you know, the cookbook, our relationship is is a very important part of the restaurant. I think it's a restaurant that is that is really about collaboration between the dining room and the kitchen. And that's why we chose to approach the book in the way that we did, where there is a lot of narrative text that talk about uh, our story, the philosophies with which we we run the restaurant as a group, and I mean, when a chef publishes a cookbook, he's essentially saying to the entire world, "Hey, this is how to do what I do." Yeah, and you do that with the confidence that you're going to continue creating more. Yeah, and we looked at everything else in the cookbook in the same way. We we're sharing the recipes for the entire restaurant, yeah. and. We, we do that, uh, I think, with a certain amount of confidence, but also as a way to, to push us. Yeah. Because if we don't continue creating, then, then we've just given everyone everything that oh, we've ever like, done. Oh, yeah, I've cooked that at home. <laughs> yeah, I can do that. Well, I mean, uh, as shown in pictures in the cookbook, um, you have these placards in the restaurant that have words and phrases on them, um, which I'm sure you know by heart, but I'll read them off a little bit. Uh, cool, endless reinvention, inspired forward-moving, fresh, collaborative, spontaneous, vibrant, adventurous, light, innovative. Um, This cookbook embodies all that because I don't know if I ever thought of it as being, okay, we did that, now we got to move on. But all those... Yeah, yeah, the words really don't need to change. uh, Yeah. I think, uh, and maybe we should talk a little bit about how we came up with these words yeah. and, and these words are actually m- linked to Miles Davis which you mentioned before um, but at the very beginning um, we got one of our first reviews it's five years ago from the New York Observer uh, by Moira Hodgson and uh, it was a, a really good review we got I think three and a half stars out of four and the review was you know, in a way, almost too good for at the time because we had a long way to go. Uh, but one of the things, and we, we always try to look into everything and, and kind of see what we can learn from. And one of the lines w- was, I wish this place would have a bit more Miles Davis. <laughs> and, you know, we looked at each other and we're like, what does that mean? We didn't understand. And, it's like, it's uh, like more cowbell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But um, so we did. We did some research, and we learned everything about Miles and listened to his music. Uh, you know, we started putting more Miles Davis onto the onto the playlist at the restaurant. So we really had more Miles Davis. But but it was much deeper than that. We came up with a word uh, with a list of words of eleven words uh, that were most commonly used to describe him, and these were the words you just uh, read. And these words have been our guiding light for the past five years. And, uh, you know, it has been such an inspiration. And the more we learn about it, the more inspiring it has been. So that's just a little 
story. Yeah. And one of the things that people have asked us a lot with the uh, change in ownership at the restaurant is, so, you know, is it going to change? What are you going to change about it? And what we say is, no, it's not going to change at all. It's going to keep on changing. And, yeah. and I, I think that's the nature of the restaurant is in order for it not to change, that almost inherently requires that it continues evolving. And um, so those words have been great for us. And yeah. It's been good for me. I've gotten to learn Miles' music a lot more. Yeah, not, not a bad, uh, you know, Arthur to follow in the footsteps of. Um, so this book, with all the recipes in there, are there certain things that are not going to be served at the restaurant anymore? Or do you consider this staples, icons of what Levin Madsen Park is? You know, it's a, it's a good question. Um, because in a way, we're too young to settle for certain dishes and just keep doing them um, but also at the same time they're great dishes and, and we want to keep serving them they have made many people happy um, but I think the answer is within the next three years or so probably these dishes will not be served anymore Yeah, and, uh, and we will have evolved by then and I think uh, for the time being, we'll, it will be new dishes. You know, we create probably about 80 to 100 new dishes each year. And I think, uh, you know, we bring dishes back that we have done in the past that we really liked a lot uh, mixed with new dishes. So, Excellent. Actually, we have a call on the line right now. Jack, patch him through. Hello? Hi, this is Francesco Tonelli. Hey, Francesco. <laughs> You're not allowed to answer the trivia question because I think you inherently know. <laughs> How's it going? It's going pretty well, guys. What hey, about Francesco. you? Yeah. I, Hi, Daniel. <laughs> I was hoping you were here with us. I know, believe me, yeah. I wish you were there. <laughs> so Francesco I, Tonelli is actually the photographer of the 11 Madsen Park cookbook, um, but more so than just a photographer. Um, you know, a master cook, a master chef. Yes. Um, so quite quite a collaborator to have on your team. No, but you know that, I mean, you see, you mentioned the pictures before, and I think the the cookbook is, you know, is, is driven by, by the beautiful photography. I yeah. Mean, it's so how did you guys all start working together? I mean, how did you plan out this mega tome that is the MP cookbook? I don't know. I think I had it in my head, and um, and then as we went on, everyone is like, "Dude, this book is gonna be really big." And Francesco <laughs> <laughs> was like, <laughs> "Probably never expected to shoot that many dishes." Yeah. <laughs> I think going going way back, Daniel always wanted to make a cookbook, and and that process started in the more conventional way in which a cookbook is made, and that is, you get a book agent, you get a publisher, and then they effectively assign you a photographer and a designer and then you get a cookbook writer and the word that you said before from miles collaborative essentially what we started to realize over probably the first six months of the process was that the book that was being made by virtue of that more classic process was not one that would be a reflection of 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 the restaurant so we decided to kind of press a you know a big just stop for a little while and then and took a step back and said okay the only way to appropriately do this book is to do it with our entire team and that's when francesco with whom we'd already been working we met him years ago when he did an art culinary shoot with daniel uh 
came in as the photographer. That's when Juliet Cesar, who has designed the entire graphic identity of the restaurant, became the designer, and that's when I stepped in as the writer. Instead of getting classic recipe testers, we just took a big chunk of people from our team, captains, cooks, a whole bunch of people, um, all of whom were incredibly talented. I'd say 60% of our staff has graduated from the Culinary Institute and just made it more like everything else that we do, which is a big team effort, um, which has the positive implications of bringing with it a little bit less experience and therefore a lot less kind of reliance on more traditional approaches. Yeah. Um, Francesco, I mean, how did this differ from other photo shoots for you? Because, I mean, I almost feel like you were locked in there for a year, going through all four seasons with the amount that these guys had you shoot. <laughs> well, thank God I was getting along with them, or it would have been a very long year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But actually, if you say how this differs from any other photo shoot that I did before or any other project, I'd say this was probably uh, the easiest one I had to do in my entire career because, uh, quite honestly, it, uh, I, can, I can honestly say that I've been um, surprised and shocked by pretty much in, in each session by um, the food combination, the, the plate presentation that uh, that Daniel was able to come up every time. And, you know, I remember shooting this in season and in small bites at the time. And after, you know, a, a wonderful start, I was almost thinking, okay, well, what can he possibly come up with next time? And there it was. It was just getting better and better. And, you know, I feel like this was really an easy project for me because, the food was speaking for itself, and all I had to do was making sure that it was an overexposed and, and in focus. <laughs> yeah. That's it. I mean, when you guys <laughs> conceptualize the shoot, uh, it, it is stark white, you know, from the cover to the, the plate. Um, was that an intentional choice of your design? Well, I think the, I mean, the, fa- the, the color of our restaurant or the, you know, the, the, our business cards, our logo is always uh, white with the, with the silver embossed. But um, I think we also wanted to do a book that is timeless. And we felt that if we're going to use plates, the plates you kind of get, you know, you kind of get sick of the plates after a while. You, you, you know, or, or it shows, like you say, oh, you remember like 10 years ago we used to use these plates. Or, and so we, we decided to not use plates, to not have a book that will feel dated uh, within you know, three years. And it's almost as if a cookbook, the pages definitively should be the plates. Like that was kind of our perspective is this is not food that's served to you at a table. This is served that's food that's served to you in a book. And so that, that kind of approach (laughs) felt the more appropriate for us. I feel like the only way you could have made this book heavier is by actually making the pages plates. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're actually going to take a quick break. Francesco, hopefully you stay with us on the line. Uh, You've been listening to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com and a little Miles Davis for you there in the break. Oh, cool.
Hey, and welcome back to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, and that was a little Spanish key from Miles Davis Bitches Brew. Here today with uh, Chef Daniel Hume and GM Will Gadara of 11 Madsen Park. And Francesco, we still have you? Yes, I'm still here. Excellent. And Francesco Tonelli, the food photographer for this wonderful book. I just wanted to say again, we have a trivia question where you could win a signed copy of the MP Cookbook which is, what are the four leaves that make up the EMP logo? And you can either call in to 718-497-2128. Again, 718-497-2128. Or email us at info at heritageradionetwork.com if you're listening to the podcast. And we'll tell you whether or not we still have that book in <laughs> store. It's, it's a tough question. I only knew two of them, but don't say what they are. Don't say what they are. Um, they're all leaves. Yeah. They're all leaves uh, that are in Madison Square Park. Ah, so head up to 23rd Street between <laughs> and start looking around before all the leaves fall off the trees. Um, back to this book. I luckily just opened up to the Black Truffle page. Um, there are these sections served in four courses of specific ingredients per season. And it's a beautiful double page spread on, on you know uh, the horizontal I, I don't even know. I've done food shoots in the past. I don't even know how you guys conceptualized and did all this in the amount of time, even though it may have been a year, in the amount of time that you did. How did you guys plot out this book, especially dishes like this? Well, we have, in 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 different times of seasons, we have ingredients that we're really excited about and that we serve in multiple courses. And uh, so in the book, we have like... You know, the black truffles, we have the heirloom tomatoes uh, in the fall. We have game that's more bro- a little bit more broader, but then we have suckling pig that we serve, you know, the, the shoulder, the neck, the, the rack, like the head. Yeah, like all- say, that little confit is one of my favorite things ever. Yeah. Like the little soupy sauce. Yeah. So we just wanted to incorporate that into the book to really give a feel of what we do at the restaurant. Yeah. What other elements visually did you introduce into the book to make it feel like Eleven Madison? I mean, I think the table of, of contents within each seasonal chapter is is designed a la our menu now yeah. in, in just listing the principal ingredient. I think even the way that we did hors d'oeuvres and miniardis, which are a big part of, of our restaurant and, and formatting those pages differently than the rest of them. We, we wanted to make sure that the food is gorgeous and just on a white page it's gorgeous but that there was variety throughout the book and yeah. that you would kind of stay entertained as you read and that's why there are those full page spreads of of the carrots or the celery root or or things like that that almost are you know can be juxtaposed against the perfect clean pictures that exist throughout the balance yeah and i'm sure francesco was excited not to have to worry about highlights that was my break that was my coffee break yeah yeah exactly but there are also these amazing compendium pages of uh gels of um all the ice cream bases of purees uh that were just wonderfully styled and set up to um you had a stylist or were you doing all this with your team at the restaurant no it was really uh you know francesco he took a lot of pride in these pages and yeah and, uh, you know, some of these, you know, it's like a page of just, you know, purees in a pan or sauces. And some of these, you know, some of these pictures took like maybe two hours to do. And sometimes that would just disappear and yeah. say, Francesco, I, 
I have like a five hour meeting. I I'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> and he would I would come back and he would still playing with it. Yeah. But um <laughs> I mean just looking at the gel page, Francesco, what was your toughest shot? Uh, the toughest shot, that's a great question. Uh, probably one of those where, where Daniel was leaving me alone with the food. <laughs> <laughs> Just couldn't make up my mind. It, 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 you know, it's fun because when, when we were there like, like a team, like the, to me the amazing thing, I don't know, I jumped in when you already started talking, so I don't know if this was already said, but you know, I think the amazing thing about this book is that this food is being, you know, Every single dish has been plated by Daniel in person. Yeah. So it's not it's not been delegated to to any any other person. Although of course he could have probably easily done that. Um, there are certainly people having the ability of, of, of running the restaurant and so forth. But this was such having the special touch um, that Daniel put in every single preparation. And I know that some of these were just coming out from. From the kitchen and we were shooting it and they were done in like in literally one minute yeah uh, and they were perfect as they were and some other that we you know we were looking and struggle and moving things around and sometimes replating maybe once or twice um but i think that that was what made the book very special to me the fact that for once i wasn't uh, as much as i was involved with the project I wasn't styling the food myself, but actually I was admiring this, this preparation being uh, presented to me and, and surprising me every, every single yeah. time. But I mean, it wasn't just all a la minute. Um, I'm assuming you had spoken to Daniel about the food, uh, about the recipe, and about the plating before it came out to you. And I mean, you shouldn't downplay. You are an excellent chef yourself and understand technique and foundation. So it's a different conversation that you have with Daniel than another photographer would have? Well, we de definitely had many, you know, we had many exchanges and that, that was, I think that's what made this, this project um, in a way become bigger and bigger as we were shooting it. We were like, I think, uh, both getting, getting excited and trying to... Um, you know, to come up with more and more ideas and, and feeling like, you know, we wanted to invest even more time and whatever was necessary to make sure that every dish was was represented properly and was shot properly um, in order to, to enhance the, pre the preparation itself. So sometimes we had to change completely the lighting for um, just to accommodate a single dish and making sure that it was um, it was reflected properly. I think that the thing that was so amazing about working with Francesco is that it was never a contract for him. We were all partners in making a book. And, you know, all the pictures at the end with the basics, that was something that we hadn't anticipated doing from the beginning. But at a certain point, we realized that that section, the basics section, was going to be one of the really powerful parts about this book that made it a really accessible thing to a lot of people that even if you're not prepared to try to make one of the incredibly composed dishes, that there's a lot of things that people can pull from that section and use in their own repertoire. And we didn't want it to feel like a table of contents. We wanted it to feel like its own section. And just Francesco's commitment and dedication to making it a really, really fantastic piece was 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 amazing. Yeah, and you got, the, the, you got the fed well, too. Is, is, 
is that at the end of the project, I think I gained 25 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, 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 they got the freshman 15, but the cookbook 20. It ain't too bad. <laughs> it's, it's an accomplishment. Um, I actually want to talk more about the, the day in the life, which I keep on going back to um, because I photograph in kitchens and you know have been doing so for a decade and see this. And uh, that was another great transparency. Uh, to show that there really is only half an hour that 11 Madison Park doesn't work, doesn't strive for more, and there's that one calm breath between 4.30 and 5 a.m. Yeah, and I, I, I think that a lot of people know the ins and outs of restaurants, or rather their opinion or their knowledge of them are based on what they see on television. And that's not our world. A lot of the world a lot of the restaurant worlds that are depicted on television are not what we live on a daily basis. And this was kind of our effort to say, Hey, this is what these restaurants look like. These, this is how these restaurants work. And I say these restaurants because it's not just us. Obviously there's a bunch of restaurants that operate with the same focus and precision and mentality that we do. And this was kind of a a way to say, Hey, come into our world and see how this kind of restaurant actually works and how we spend our days and, it was a fun thing to put together. Yeah. That was a team. That took our entire team yeah. to put it together. Well, I mean, I love little excerpts like at 8.30 in the morning, all purees are finished and chilled. I mean, people that are cooking from this cookbook, I'm sure, are not waking up in the morning, <laughs> making their No, they no have purees. to, otherwise yeah. the food doesn't taste <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah, you have to do it <laughs> verbatim to this. Um, but show that there are inherent steps that you guys take to set up your mise en place to be able to execute these dishes. But then reorganize it take it out of context and let someone be able to do a dish without you know doing a 23 and a half hour day yeah yeah and i think even you know beyond the basics even just some of the dishes there's plenty of things that you could take that dish and remove a few components and it would still be a great great thing to cook yeah now daniel i mean there are so many amazing recipes out of this book do you cook any of these for yourself at home you know, definitely, like, the probably not an entire dish um, just like it is because at home I like to be more spontaneous. But I think, you know, every every recipe has so many great techniques. And, you know, when I make a puree, I make it a certain way. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what flavor it is. Or, you know, when I make a sauce, there is a certain way about it. Yeah. And, and as you read through the recipes, you start to learn a lot about how things are made. And and you also start to see that not every recipe, everything is different because there's a, there's a lot of, like, I don't want to call them rules, but there's a lot of things, just the way we do things. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then it becomes really interesting when you start to, you know, go to the markets and you pick your own vegetables and your fish and your meats. And, and and you kind of apply what you've learned through reading through these recipes. I was out at his house with my girlfriend and him and his wife and his two daughters two weeks ago. We spent the day together and we had the chicken from yeah. the book. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Talking about the purees, I think something as simplistic as that shows how complex um, 11 Madison Park and your, your your prowess is in that it isn't just, well you know, make this mush, <laughs> strain it, mm-hmm. plate it. That each from chestnut puree to chanterelle puree to, you know, artichoke, that there is a step different 
at least one step yes. different in each one. Yeah. But it's about how you treat each specific thing. It's not just, well, now you know this technique. You can do that and apply it to everything. Not not quite, but yeah. but you will see a through line. Yeah. And same with, like, uh, uh, the oils and, you know, some of the gels, too, even though most have, like, agar-agar. Yeah. It's about solubility and how they, they, they combine. So, I mean, it, it's... It's an amazing tome to teach there with. Um, one other thing is the map, which itself is very cool um, because you don't get to see. You, everyone thinks behind the scenes is the kitchen, but there are a lot more people on the floor and moving parts that help orchestrate a dining experience. What do you think the map illuminates? For, for me, I never really worked in fine dining at this level until I ended up at 11 Madison with Daniel and... Over the past five years, we've kind of worked together to learn, he knew most of them already, but learn all the rules and then decide which ones we wanted to follow and which ones we wanted to break. But one of the things that I was overwhelmed by in the process was just the sheer number of people, (laughs) Um, and in our case, the sheer number of incredibly talented people that it takes to do something like what we do at 11 Medicine. And we just think that's cool. And we thought it was a really, really appropriate thing to share with people to say, hey, you sit down in the restaurant at the table for two by the windows, and this is what you experience. But this is what goes into that. And this is, um, these are the people and these are their positions. And, and then, you know, in the following pages, we talk about what all their responsibilities are because the hierarchy and, and the delineation of roles and responsibilities is crucial in the restaurant working well. And it was a fun thing for us to share, and we thought it would be something that people would appreciate. Yeah, number 18, polisher. I mean, people laugh at that, saying, oh, that's a funny little job. But it is a vital role there. That's actually one of the most difficult positions in the restaurant. Yeah, So don't go applying for polisher at EMP unless you want to work your ass off. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I can't say enough about this other than, you know, you don't need to work out if you carry this around all the time. (laughs) It is an excellent book, uh, and it is actually approachable. I think that was a worry of a lot of people having also, dined at EMP. Also, you should know that all the recipes, that was really important to us, although they are the way we make them at the restaurant, and there are no secrets held back. Everything is right there, and they have been tested numerous times. And, uh, you know, in home kitchens, I mean, the recipes work, you know, we, we made really sure. And, uh, and even with, with sous vide and like liquid nitrogen and stuff that we use at the, at the restaurant, we gave uh, alternative uh, methods to, to get to the result. I'm still coming to 11 Madison Park and letting you guys cook for me. <laughs> That's not a bad thing also. Yeah. And uh, one other, you know, accolade of this book. You guys talk about moving forwards and for, uh, forever evolving and changing. You know, as, as much as this split up into sections and seasons, I see it as a life cycle. I see it as one year in the life of 11 Madison Park, and I'm just looking forward to seeing what happens next. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. We can't even begin the process of wrapping our heads yeah. around anything like that. We'll, we'll have you guys back when you actually know what you're doing. <laughs> <Right> <laughs> excellent. Uh, Francesco, thanks for joining us. Will, Daniel. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. you. Thank you. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at 3. Ciao.
listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening. The following is a public service announcement from Food Karma. To kick off the New York City Meat Week in style, Meat with a Twist will bring together the best chefs and mixologists for a cocktail food pairing party on November 7th from 6 to 10 p.m. at City Winery. Meat with a Twist features 10 cocktails paired with 10 chef selections highlighting local, sustainably grown meat such as duck, lamb, chicken, pork, beef, bison, and ostrich. The party will launch a week's worth of events throughout the city that celebrate the slow food movement bringing sustainable meats to our tables. Again, that's November 7th from 6 to 10 p.m. at City Winery. Updates, tickets, and more information are available at meatweeknyc.com.